Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Happy Easter. Thank you. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and I'm very glad you're here. If you're a visitor with us for the first time, you may have questions about Unitarian Universalism or about this congregation. Please don't hesitate to ask either me or the, the um, friendly and knowledgeable people at the visitor table, and they'll help you get the answers you need. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine inside every person. So the way we greet the holy on a Sunday morning is by turning to the people to our right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Will you say together with me the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love and to help one another. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is by one of our many famous Unitarians, E.E. Cummings. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping, greenly spirits of trees and a blue, true stream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and love and wings and of the gay great happening illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing, any lifted from the know of all nothing, Human merely being doubt unimaginably you. Now the ears of my ears awake, and now the eyes of my eyes are opened. This mission you see on the wall has guided the church here for seven years. We have made many decisions, um, brave and bold decisions, using it as our guide. Next Sunday at 1 o'clock, after the second service and after the public affairs forum, the board will meet with whoever wants to talk about the new ends, which um, you can find on these yellow pieces of paper around here, and the new mission. Um, if you want to come say, good work, board, they would love hearing that. Um, they don't want any wordsmithing but they do want to hear your uh, response. So um, for now, we say together this mission that is written on the wall, which is going to be disappearing one of these weeks soon. <laughs> we gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our meditation reading this morning is from Arcadia, and it's by Tom Stoppard. It makes me so happy to be at the beginning again, knowing almost nothing, 
A door like this has cracked open five or six times since we got up on our hind legs. It's the best possible time of being alive when almost everything you thought you knew is wrong. Now is the time in our service when we enter into the silence together to speak to God as we understand God or to listen or just to listen to our inner wisdom or to follow our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. All the spiritual paths say that it is in this silence that we can meet clarity, that we can swim in the river of love, root ourselves deep into the heart of compassion. Let us enter into the silence together, understanding that small baby noises and the noises of life are part of silence in this congregation. this morning by the karma fairy. Um, she is the one who makes sure you get uh, 
what you deserve when you wake her up, which you do not want to do. And the way that I woke up the Karma Fairy this week was someone from another church said, oh, our minister a lot, a lot of times will read his sermons off of his phone, and don't you do that? And I said, no, I don't really like to do that. It makes you look down too much, and you have to squint, and I, I like to print mine out. And, um, and so I tried to print mine out this morning, but all the, the sentences just printed like two-thirds of the sentence, and the other third is somewhere else. Whom <laughs> I um I'm really sorry but I deserve this When I was in elementary school I had really bad handwriting back when they were teaching um cursive uh no doubt because I was brilliant but we won't go there so, you know, I don't know how many of you remember those lined papers. I don't know if they still give those to you. And you try to stay in the lines. And I would start out with such good intentions, and I would be so neat for the first couple sentences. But then I would get going, and uh, the quality control would slip. And um, so I, I grew to hate that sound that teachers made when they stood over you and looked. They made a sound like this. But I love my second grade teacher because she would always just be at the front of the room and she was so sweet and she would say, this thing which I still remember the feeling of it, she would say, let's all get out a new sheet of paper and start fresh. <laughs> and I just love that sound of that, start fresh. And it seems to me that spring is a time to start fresh. I'm out on Easter. It's the custom in many families to dress in all new clothes and new shoes and get those little socks with the lace around the edges. And sometimes you wear a hat and um, you, you, your brothers are dressed in, in clothes that they hate and uh, some, well, my oldest son, I tried to dress him for his second Easter in a hand-me-down from a friend of mine who dressed her son like little Lord Fauntleroy, because um, <laughs> that's the style in South Carolina. Um, and so Sam looked down at himself and saw this little plaid out jumper thing with smocking across the front and like ducks in the smocking. And he... Um, he just looked down and went, ah! <laughs> and did his feet like, get this off of me. So uh, I tried. Uh, so Easter is a time to, it's a new beginning time. It's, it's, when the, it's when the red buds come out and then the blue bonnets come out and you go, oh, it's spring and I... I should clean my house, and I've got new energy to do things, and I'm, <coughs> I can't do anything. I've got to sit down on the couch. <laughs> Just when the air gets pleasant and gorgeous to go out in, it turns poisonous. 
But sometimes in order to start fresh, you have to let go of what you were doing before. And everybody knows a very famous Buddhist teaching story where the master is pouring tea for the student and he pours and pours and keeps pouring and keeps pouring until the tea is running down into the saucer and the master keeps pouring and the student says, Master, there's no room for any more tea in this cup. And the master says, this is like your mind. There's no room for any of my teachings in your mind, so you must empty first and then I can teach you something. So as Tom Stoppard said, there's this wonderful moment several times in a life where you realize that you don't really know what you think you know, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling, and yet Tom Stoppard enjoyed it. He thought it was a delightful feeling. Um, So some people might like finding out that what they thought was true might in fact not be true. I think it's a very uncomfortable feeling. So Easter is a time when the disciples were feeling that feeling because they thought that in Rabbi Jesus they had somebody who was going to be the king of kings and who was going to be the savior of everybody and who was going to uh, ride into Jerusalem on a white horse and start slaying the Romans who were occupying forces. And... um, And he completely did not do that. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey and did not start slaying. He he caused a little trouble, but then he let himself get captured. He didn't do any superhero kind of thing in the garden to slay all the soldiers who tried to touch him. No, but he let himself get captured and taken to trial, kind of a mock trial in Pontius Pilate's palace, and then he was sentenced to death by the religious authorities and mostly the political authorities who all kind of wanted him gone because he was the kind of teacher um, that some Native American uh, nations would call the heyoka, the the trickster, the one who who shows you things by turning them upside down and inside out. And he would show people themselves in that way. Um, he, he found a woman who had been caught in adultery and people were all getting ready to stone her to death. And he lifted her up and told her she was forgiven. And he said, he didn't say, don't stone this woman. He just said, okay, uh, uh, get your stones in your hands. And now whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. And everybody kind of shuffled away. He mocked the righteous people and called them out on their hypocrisy. He uh, had a a very seditious view of the occupying um, government. He, He made people troubled. The people who were marginalized really liked him, but the people for whom the system was working really well didn't like him. Um... He, I like that he mocked people, but I enjoy mocking ideas that I think are stupid. And it's not the best part of me, but when I was on my Facebook page talking about something that had been said or done, um, 
I got a, a very gentle scoldy note from a Unitarian Universalist who's a much better person than I am. And she said, Meg, I just don't think you should um, mock people like that. And I wrote back, well, it wasn't mocking a person. I was mocking an idea, number one. Number two, Rabbi Jesus chose to teach by mocking all the time. And if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> Sorry, just a little co- code switching there. Um, and so I continue to um, feel free to use mockery because um, it's, a, it's a pretty good tool. I think. So in almost every culture, you have this archetype of the teacher who teaches by turning things upside down and backwards. And in Western European culture and Celtic culture, it's the fool. In Chinese culture also, there's a jester in the court of the emperor. And in most cultures, there's this um, jester, fool kind of person who, who gets to say whatever they want and not take the consequences. They're the person who's supposed to speak truth to power. They're, so, they're the person who's, who makes themselves lowly in some way. They're maybe an entertainer, or maybe they're just um, hideously ugly in some way. I read some things about the fools in the courts, and they said the uglier they are, the droller they are. And I was thinking, well, that's ugh, all right. So um, m- maybe just by being kind of an outsider to the standard of beauty, you get to say things that a beautiful person couldn't get away with. But the fool always um, is has some kind of wisdom that is not necessarily a scholarly wisdom. You could have a fool who's a scholar or a jester who's a scholar. You could sometimes the sometimes the bards would would sing satire, especially if the king hadn't paid them. Um, the bards would sometimes sing praises of the king's relatives or the queen's beauty or her political acumen. Or, um, but when not paid, a bard could be um, a beast and start satirizing your your court. So, um, anyway, the bards were not jesters, but they could perform a similar function at times. So when I thought about um, April Fool's and Easter falling on the same day, most of the UU ministers on the UU ministers Facebook page were kind of buzzing about 10 months ago. Do you realize that these are both on the same day? What are you going to do? I don't know. What are you going to do? And I thought, um, I thought I would talk to you about the character of the fool in the tarot. Um, he's on the front of your order of service, so you can see what he looks like. But many of you remember me telling you about my Aunt Ruth Barnhouse, who was a bad influence. And um, she was a, a psychiatrist in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and then she became an Episcopal priest. Um, she had six sons and one daughter, and she, was, um, she put herself through medical school <laughs> playing piano in a bar. And so she would play, um, she had a very distinctive sounding voice. She would go, cry me a river, cry me a river. And um, that was her favorite song to sing. We used to, anyway. Um, when we would come visit, she, the first time, called me and said, Meg, I, I'm not sure if I should move the pot plants that are under my piano. 
I don't want your mother to get upset. My mother had grown up missionary in India, a missionary kid. And uh, I told her not to worry. My mother wouldn't know what it was. Because my mother had just recently called me over. She goes, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. I'm worried about your sister. Her breath smells funny. I think it might be pot. So I went over and talked to my sister for a while. And I was like, Ma, um, it's great bubblegum. <laughs> so anyway, we would go visit her and she would say... Um, I bought a deck of tarot cards in order to go advise the young people in a coffee shop, and I would do readings, and she said I never had to fake one reading. The cards always knew what the kids needed to hear. And so she taught me to read tarot cards and palms. So auction, our auction is coming up in May, every Sunday in May, silent auction. I think I'm going to offer a tarot reading, but I'm not sure. Uh, last time I did it, long ago and far away, there was a little too much truth, and I decided never to do one again. But um, might try it, try it again. So um, Aunt Ruth was a Jungian uh, in her in her interest and practice, and so I learned a lot about Jung and his students and how they said the tarot was a depiction of the soul's journey through life, the soul's journey toward wholeness. And the first one is the fool, but it's not numbered number one, it's numbered zero. So all the others are numbered with Roman numerals, and this one is numbered with zero, which my research tells me is an Arabic numeral, but someone who was in the first service said, no, it was invented in India. And so um, that makes sense also. And so it, but it, it takes it apart from the other major arcana of the tarot deck to have this fool numbered zero, because I don't know if you had these conversations in college, I bet you did, that were maybe with beer, maybe not, um, about whether nothing can be something. And I imagine the first person who decided to try to put zero in as a way of counting nothing, got some pushback. People going, why are you counting nothing? There's nothing there to count. Why do you need a number for nothing? But it turned out that engineering and astronomy and um, mathematics just blossomed after you have this zero to use in your calculations. So um, zero is something. That means nothing. My father taught math, and so I'm ruined. And I I understand that it's interesting to many people. (laughs) So the fool is beginner's mind. The fool is you're at the beginning of your journey, and look at him. He's dressed impractically for a hike. He's dressed in fancy clothes. He's a fool. You don't. You dress in North Face and cargo shorts for a for a hike, and you don't dress in fancy things with flappy sleeves and you and and soft looking boots and tights for goodness sakes. And you um, 
you, you t- he has all his possessions on, in a bandana on, on his uh, staff. So he's carrying, he's obviously moving from one place to another, carrying his things with him. And he's, he's looking at certain things that catch his eye. He's got a white flower in his hand, which some tarot folks say means that he has overcome his baser desires. But I, I am more of a pagan than that. I don't really think there are base desires. I just think there's earth and that's, we're part of it. And there you go. So I think it's just a flower that he found and thought was pretty and wanted to take with him. But he's uh, about to walk off a cliff. (laughs) And he's looking up. And this is the fool. And this is us when we're babies. And this is us when we're in beginner's mind. We are not being wary. We are not being um, completely well-informed. And sometimes you can't get completely well-informed if you're at the beginning of something. Am I right? You're starting your first business. You know nothing. And you're going to make lots of mistakes. And it might go well. Or you're starting your first job. You know nothing. Or it might go well. You have your first child. You you have no idea what you need to know and what you don't need to know. And you can read, but it's not the same. Um, Because the books are too polite to say certain things about having babies. Like there are times when they just only think about themselves and not you at all. They're incredibly selfish. (laughs) Do they care if you get sleep? No, they don't. They don't. So when you're at the beginning of something, it's good to understand that part of your beginning is stepping off a cliff. Now, in almost every movie about the hero's journey, there's this almost cliche where the hero has to step out into space and the bridge gets built underneath the hero's feet. Does that make sense? Have you seen those movies? You step out and the bridge goes like this. I don't care if they're movies from Hong Kong or movies from Hollywood. This is the, the bridge thing happens. Because everybody knows that sometimes when you're on a heroic journey, you have to just step out into nothing. And as someone said, build your wings on the way down. So you don't know everything you needed to know. My husband and I at the time bought our first house from a person um, who was financing the house. And our, our property taxes caused quite a surprise because we didn't know anything. So this huge bill comes and we're like, what's this? And she said, oh, those are property taxes. What? Anyway, we were fools and we were in beginner's mind and there's a lot to be said for it, but also you can come up on some nasty surprises. Meister Eckhart said, be willing to be a beginner every single morning. Some of us don't like to be beginners. We like to already know stuff. We we spend our whole lives learning about certain things, and then we're comfortable in those zones where we know certain things, and we don't like to be beginners again, but life is going to throw you a curve, and you're going to have to be a beginner at some point. A beginner about college classes, or a beginner about chemo, or a beginner about uh, having an aging parent, or you're going to have to be a beginner about any number of things. And it's good to understand that at the beginning, no one knows what they're doing, and it's okay. 
And it's okay to say, I don't know about things. So, I want us to practice that together. Let's say, I don't know. know. We're at the beginning of this renovation. Um, Renovations are very inconvenient. When are they going to have these bathrooms done? I don't know. When are they going to put plywood over this wall? I think we're going to take the candle holders out and maybe uh, put them in the auction because they're building us new ones. So if you want to take one home, you'll be able to. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You may not want to. When is it all going to be done? We're fools. We've stepped off. There are people who know. And they're in and among us and all around, and we've hired a good many of them. And so there are people who know, but most of us don't know. And I know that we're at the beginning of our new um, church goals and mission statement there on these yellow pages that are around the place. Um, New church goals, new mission statement. The board is meeting with people who want to talk about them at 1 o'clock next Sunday afternoon. Um, they will be there to, to gather your praise and congratulations for their hard work. And um, are we going to be able to live up to those new goals? No. We're fools stepping off the cliff. We're going to make mistakes. Um, are we going to be able to live up to a, a, a slightly different mission statement? Are there people who are going to leave the congregation because they're so upset that we changed the mission statement? (laughs) Yes, he says from over there. Man. But here's what I do know. I know that we are people of goodwill and intelligence. I know that we are people of heart and mind. I trust our goodwill. I trust our good intentions. I trust our experience. I trust our ability to learn together. I trust our ability to forgive one another when we do foolish things. I trust our ability to work together. I want to finish by reading... um, a little sentence, a couple of sentences from Ralph Waldo Emerson, who I remind you like to be called Waldo. He said, finish each day and be done with it. You have done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities no doubt crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. You shall begin it serenely and with too high a spirit to be encumbered with your old nonsense. May it be so, unless it needs not to be so, and then may it not be so. (laughs) Let us say together the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird.
heart in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.